Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Alice Living, best-selling author, personal trainer, and host of Give Me Strength, where we discuss the positives of living a stronger life physically and mentally with the hope to inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Give Me Strength. My guests today are the brilliant Mac Twins who started out as DJs from Scotland and in their own words couldn't have been further from the wellness world until they volunteered for some research on twins at King's College London and it opened their eyes to the world of gut health and its importance. They are now passionate about bridging the gap between the research and informing everyone on how they can improve their gut health and in turn improve their overall well-being. Over time they've grown an expert team of scientists, nutritionists, dietitians and doctors to keep us all on the right side of the tracks when it comes to what we need to know about our gut. Welcome, the Mac Twins. Should we call you the Mac Twins or should we call you individual people? Alana and Lisa, welcome, welcome. <laughs> it's funny actually because we're, we're doing a festival and um, we're DJing and we're doing a, talk, a gut health talk. So it's like for the DJs, it's probably more Mac Twins and then it's Alana and Lisa McFarland. But to be fair, Alice will literally answer to anything. Hod it and dod it, dumb and dumber. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful hybrid. I actually love that those two things are sort of coming together. I mean, I started this by saying they couldn't be further apart, but actually we're seeing so much more synergy now in terms of like the music world, the wellness world, like in terms of festivals, there seems to be way more of a crossover. Totally. And actually younger, I remember when we first started, it was during the Love Island tour and all these younger people just like, not firstly, they didn't know what a shanty was. And I was like, oh my God, that shows your age. Secondly, they all just weren't drinking. And I was like, what What are they doing? And I, they were just sort of like, 
drinking coffee and hypothesizing about the world and probably doing your workouts, Alice. But it is, it is a change now in terms of, you know, what the, I think they're, like they're just so much more into health and wellness, get preventative health care uh, and are starting to really think about their health, which is obviously brilliant and not what we were doing when we were at university. Yeah, I think as well, just to go like very deep, very quickly, I think, you know, even five, ten years ago, especially for women, we had to be put in a box. It was like, you're a DJ and that's all you can do. You know, you're a neuroscientist and that's all you can do. And, and and I think people are much more accepting of, you know, more blended careers. And um, I think that's really important and a, a very important message for, for the younger generation as well. I completely agree. I think that is actually a really important point. I actually agree with both of what you said. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find really interesting, and this is totally on a tangent of what I had originally planned to talk about, but we'll go there really quickly, <laughs> is this kind of this wave of teetotalism that I feel like is really, you know, our generation are d- drinking less, we're, you know, less kind of integrated into that kind of heavy partying culture that I felt like I kind of grew up with and yeah it's just an interesting shift and I guess it is because we just know so much more now about our health about the impact of alcohol I sit here wearing an aura ring and I know that you know I've just come back from holiday where Paddy and I enjoyed you know delicious drinks I love a margarita but what I do notice is the next day I look at my sleep and I'm like oh hmm interesting you know we just we just have that that bit more feedback about you know the role of alcohol and what it does in our bodies and I think yeah it's so nice to see you guys leading the charge on kind of making more of a hybrid between two things and that you you know actually as you said Alana not having to put yourself in a box of oh I'm going to a festival I need to get wrecked do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. totally and I think as well like it's funny on the drink thing because we obviously come from a very Scottish working class background you know you need to drink to have fun you drink to excess but drinking culture is a very huge part of of how we grew up and I think in our 20s you don't really think about prevention and 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 this is the really important thing that we learned as we've been on our gut health journey is that actually we do all need to start thinking about prevention and and our health and it does make a huge huge difference on saying that I'm very, I'm about. To, I'm very heavily pregnant and about to pop, and I am absolutely gasping for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> from Marg. I know we just put there's like a new like a company just brought out a margarita mixer, and Lisa was like, "Oh my god, that's the first thing I'm going to have as soon as he's out." I'm literally popping this baby out and having a dirty martini. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. Honestly, oh, you can't beat one. You can't beat one. All about no, look, the Marg. I'm so interested. I'm so interested to hear about your journey into gut health because obviously, as I mentioned in the introduction, you sort of just entered into this research project and then your world and your eyes were open to this whole kind of experience of what is gut health and it's really changed I guess both of your trajectories in life in terms of what interests you and your whole business now focuses around that so I'd love to hear about that experience like from why you entered the research project I guess originally being twins I get it but and where it took you to where you are now yeah and um, actually it was I think it was kind of written in the stars before we knew it was because when we die our obituaries will look like it was all planned because I was meant to do medicine at uni and Alana was supposed to do business and law so it looks like this was all sort of planned but as you say it was totally random and um, but we have always been quite fascinated by kind of physiologically what's as identical twins what's different between us and um, I guess partly because we were sort of <laughs> striving to find unique things about us because everyone put us together and um, but also I guess Alana we had really different health pathways growing up so Alana had juvenile chronic arthritis and I didn't I had really bad acne and she didn't you can work out who got the worst deal but we were kind of fascinated by you know we've got the same genetics why is that we were brought up in the same place 
eating the same diets, etc. So when the opportunity came to volunteer for twin research and we jumped at the chance really, and Tim Spector, who heads up the research facility there, was like, Do you guys want to have your guts analyzed? And we were like, Sure, Tim, what's that? Like, what do you mean our beer bellies? What do we have to do? And he was like, You have to send your poo off in the post every day for two months. I'm like, okay, fine. And you have to go on this quite extreme diet when you where you only drink alcohol and eat processed foods for the first month. We were like, brilliant. Edinburgh Festival coming up. We'll be doing that anyway. Sold. Uh, and then for the second month, you just have to um, go on the Mediterranean diet. We'll give you these meal kits and off you go. And we we're like, okay, great. And we had to have a couple of colonoscopies as well didn't realize how invasive they were until we signed the waiver form and i was like oh my god it's literally a camera on the bomb uh, and the doctor was really hot so I, and i was like tim i've just had a really hot doctor do this well i hope medical research gets what it needs um uh luckily for us that that was one of the most well one of the kind of pioneering studies into nutrition and the microbiome which of course we didn't know anything at the time what that was but actually you know, as you rightly pointed out, it set us on this journey of if we can't be sold the same diet, no one can, firstly. And also, secondly, how much nutrition could really impact our health. Our, our dad died of a heart attack in his 50s. And, you know, if he knew even some of what we know now, I think he would definitely still be here. Um, so, yeah, very seems random. Lots of poo samples. Um, but here we are. <laughs> and look, I'm so interested about, you know, what year was that, by the way? 2015? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, so, so nearly 10 years ago. Ugh. Which is crazy to think about. But if you think about the acceleration of pace in terms of what we now know, the development of research, you know, the the kind of expanse of what we now have in terms of evidence of how important our gut is, is huge. Um, and that's really only happening in the last kind of 10 years. I mean, I'm sure Dr. Specht has been doing work for a lot longer than that. And he'll probably hate me for saying it. But what I mean is that it becomes, you know, more of a household subject, more something that's, you know, readily available as knowledge rather than just being in a research lab. Um, now, look, I think that, you know, before we start this conversation, I always think it's important to preface what we mean by gut health, because I think for a lot of people, and I even saw it on your website, you know, we can kind of talk about it without much specificity as to what do we actually mean by gut health? What does it actually entail? And what does it look like for each individual? So I wondered if one of you or both of you, you seem to talk in like this perfect synergy, but <laughs> if one of you or both of you could explain like, what do we actually mean when we talk about gut health? Yeah. And I think this is one of the there's lots of barriers when it comes to gut health everything from there being a, a poo to boo to you know the science is is complex and the way that we sort of disseminate that to to the masses but that we sort of see it in like two camps and I think previously people talked about gut health in I think like digestive issues or digestive health and most people when they hear gut health they think of gut issues so IBS IBD which 25% of the population have so huge uh, a huge thing that we need to discuss but what we really mean is like physically what our gut actually is and we were a bit like in my stomach what do you mean but actually it's everything from from mouth to bum um it's a big huge piece of kit and actually so there's the physical you know the physiological element of it but then there's the microbial elephant which element which is really exciting and all these microbes that live in around and on us and most of them live within our large intestine so that's why we associate them with gut health but you know that's a, a lot to say and that is it in a nutshell um and i think that's where a lot of the confusion comes yeah super interesting and you know, you actually spoke earlier about how prevention is is becoming much more popular. And I think that one of the things that we are learning is that our gut microbiome, that stuff that lives mostly in our large intestine is influenced by our lifestyle, basically from the moment that we're born. Um, and I think that, you know, we've never really 
been told that that's that's something that happens but actually we know now that everything from our immune function to our uh you know skin to our mental well-being all of that can be influenced you know from from that point of birth but what do we know about our gut life journeys I guess like what are some key things that can have a massive impact on our guts you know maybe it's that you know we experience trauma or you know whatever like how do we know about the big things that can influence our gut throughout our lifetime yeah I guess we know a lot more now than we did than we did even you know a few years ago five ten years ago and I think the two camps that we like to bucket into are things that are within our control and things that aren't and I think the first camp uh, you know how we're born is a good example and that's obviously very relevant to me right now um, <laughs> in terms of you know cesarean section have you did you have a vaginal birth were you breastfed um, there's a lot of anxiety around that, particularly for, you know, new mums. And, you know, yes, there are links to things like if you were born by C-section, there are studies um, to suggest that you um, could be, you know, more likely to have allergies and things like that. But th- there's no point in guilting mums or people into how, you know, it's nothing that you can control now. Um, and actually, you know, in the first thousand days, in your first thousand days, uh, is where we really start to shape um, your microbiome and how that looks. And there's so much that you can do anyway. Um, also, you know, where you're born, you don't have much control over that. Um, and there's certain other factors that you just can't control. But the good news is there's loads of other factors that we can. So, for example, the impact of stress, like you say, stress, um, trauma, um, you know, diet obviously is the big one that we talk about. Um, you know, even things like lifestyle choices that were like smoking, alcohol, you know, what antibiotics, um, all the medications that you take. And I think the important and exciting thing for us is that you could, you're able to change the makeup of your microbiome in actually quite a small, um, kind of stretch of time with small simple lifestyle changes and I think when we first found it out it's quite overwhelming because you're like oh my god are these things directly related to my health and what do I have to do and how to do x y and z um when actually it should be seen as an empowering thing like we don't have control over our genetics um yeah our Scottish um lovely heart disease <laughs> handed to us on a plate um isn't something unfortunate that we can control but actually how we treat these little microbes over our lifetime is and actually I think for women the other kind of complexity that comes in is yes we're going through a lot more life stages when it comes to uh, you know menopause periods the the cyclical nature of our health um is another thing that we have to combat and i think our gut health is a really good um way to start to look like a good good lens to look at that through I guess yeah brilliant explanation and I think that you know let's dig into that big topic that is diet I know that it's something that you guys talk about a lot and it's influence on our gut health and our gut microbiome what do we know are the big players in terms of what we can do both in terms of including and eliminating foods that are great for our gut microbiome I think just looking at the word diet is a good place to start and you know we were obviously DJs in our 20s and we everything that we thought about diet was like two weeks before we went to Magaluf we went on the cabbage soup diet we went on the Actons diet it was so extreme and we didn't really correlate Remember diet with health diet. what was that one that we had meat and yogurt what was that one Dukin, Dukin diet Um, but you know everything it wasn't talking about like diet like as in relation to health it was about weight loss and what we looked like on the outside and you know especially for 
you know, we worked on Love Island for years. It was very much about what was on the outside. And actually, as we were going the research, we were like, wow, this is more about what we're doing on the inside. But diet was like a very like on off season, on off thing rather than a long term approach. And it was all about restriction, taking stuff out rather than adding stuff in. And actually what we learned when we were going through the research was that it's, it's about adding stuff in. It's not necessarily about restriction. And, and that was a very... Um, yeah, welcome, but very difficult behavior change to get our head around. And we think that like that's one of the biggest barriers that we come across um, at the gut stuff. And we are really lucky to educate everywhere from schools, unis, but also in, in big corporates. And that behavioral change is really hard to get your head around thinking about it as more long term rather than short quick fixes um so to speak so i think that is the when it comes to diet i actually think behavior is is top of the list of things that we need to address first now when we go around to you for dinner like oh my god i'm so sorry i have like gluten dairy wheat and fun in uh, in the dinner like they think they just assume that they have to cut all this out and they think that alana and i don't have any of that and i'm like no no bring on the chips and red wine like it's not that's not what it's about um but there is sort of well-researched um, key pillars that we uh, look to educate people around uh, at the gut stuff and the first one is around fiber so fiber it sounds like such a simple thing but nobody knows what it is it's kind of like the unseen unsung hero of gut of of nutrition it's like that basis in the band that everyone knows is kind of there and cool but doesn't know why uh, nine out of ten of us don't get enough and it's sort of been lost in the low carb high protein hype um and we're sort of starting to realize now just how fantastic fiber is i never thought this would be my life by the way <laughs> extolling the <laughs> virtues of fiber but here we are um but we've always sort of known that it bulks your stool so our granddad jim used to always say that makes me go um and we know that we know that that's um that's always going to be in the case and everyone knows that but also it's actually the food for the good bacteria in our gut as well so it has this sort of double um whammy and you know it's linked to all sorts of things like reducing bowel cancer um right down to you know making you feel fuller for longer and of course keeping these microbes happy so i think that would probably be our first step and the net and the also with that is like fiber it's not expensive you can, you can get it you know fruit veg keeping the skins on swapping white for brown um in terms of like bread and pasta um so yeah it's just quite a simple one i think to to start with yeah we hear a lot about kind of like prebiotic foods and those are things that you know are, are kind of coming into popularity I'm thinking things like asparagus red onion whatever it is um what do we mean by prebiotic um foods and how do you guys kind of include those as part of I guess your good good health good gut health um, makeup yeah so when we talk about prebiotics we're talking about the foods for the good bacteria and the bacteria is probiotics and I think prebiotics have sort of yeah they get a bit lost as well and I think that um, you know, the prebiotics are in loads of things like onion, garlic, and you say like stuff that we eat every day anyway. And I think we sort of put these because we've put up more of a clinical name to them in terms of like prebiotics. People assume that um, it's suddenly going to be like this superfood and they need to start eating like fields full of leeks and it's like you're, you're having this already you maybe just have to up it a little bit more um and you know and that's the great thing is that you know yes there's a place for supplementation as well but actually a lot of pre and probiotics you can get through the foods that you're already having um and there's some like superhero ones like chicory 
chicory and Jerusalem artichokes are like the king and queen of um, <laughs> I think the hard thing as well is when it comes to gut health as a category is it's very highly regulated so in the UK we can't actually say prebiotics or probiotics on pack for anything supplements or food so there comes another barrier in terms of you know the access and what people know and believe to be um prebiotics or probiotics and I think hopefully that will change and regulation will change but um and there's a lot of cowboys just saying it anyway um but I think that confuses everyone as well so um yeah I think and that's why you know the gut stuff we education always has to come first and I think it it is and now you've got like postbiotics psychobiotics and then I just think we just have to you know keep it to the basics for now yeah and how necessary then do you guys see probiotics as being do you guys you know extol the virtues of probiotics do you both take them I, I my my worry with probiotics is from from what I've understood them to be there's a huge vast array of of um you know different strains that we can take and both have specific kind of roles and actually you could be blindly taking one specific probiotic, which is, which is completely irrelevant to the actual probiotic strain that you might need for your specific issue. And I think that there's a lot of confusion in that. I think a lot of people see it as a very simple solution to a much more complicated issue. Is that correct? You've absolutely nailed that. was exactly what I was going to say. You've nailed it. <laughs> you, can stand in, you can stand in for one of us now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, and it, interestingly, it's the thing we get asked about most. Um, you know, when we do when we do talks or webinars, and we're actually just about to do a big piece on it, an educational piece, because it's exactly that. You need to, you know, ask yourself firstly why you're taking one, what you need it for, and then do your research as to. And it's all about strains rather than because I think we all see like a hundred billion squillion CFUs. You're like, right, oh, that must be the best one then, or whatever. But actually, it is about the specific strains, and we do have to do the research. And I think that is, you know, how, how the tides are changing. This critical critical thinking piece I think you know people want just to be go to be said this is what you need to do for you this is a pill that'll solve all your problems there you go and actually there's work to be done and um I think you know we were certainly guilty of not tuning in to unless we were hungover or we were ill and, and tuning in to your own body and its rhythms and triggers and patterns is, is absolutely key when it comes to gut health because we're not quite there yet with, you know, getting a full body scan and going, right, this is the pill for you. And, you know, maybe 10, 20 years time, that will be it. But there's a, you have to put the work in yourself before you spend your hard-earned cash. And, and that's the truth that, you know, I think where health, when health and wellness category can be extremely expensive and um, you need to really, you know, spend your money on, on the things that really matter. And I think that's the point, isn't it? You know, like I, I see so much and I get contacted by so many brands that are, you know, this one-stop shop for this, that, this, that, whatever it is. And, and unfortunately, like I've been in that position, it preys on the vulnerable who might not feel at that 100% state of health and well-being. As I'm sure none of us are ever at 100%, but you know, like around that kind of, you know, optimal feeling of, of health and well-being. And so they are preyed upon by these companies who say, oh, it's so simple. If you just do this, this is going to solve all of your issues. And actually, you know, as you guys have stated, I think this is why it's so brilliant that you are twins and you're saying even us doing exactly the same thing didn't work because we are both so you know vastly different in in many ways as much as we are similar and so there's no way that you know the complex nuances that happen between each individual in the world um, none of us can be serviced by one specific thing you know it's just not going to be that easy and I find it frustrating as a kind of 
I guess, someone who might know a little bit more than the average person on health and well-being. I find it incredibly frustrating when I see these things kind of marketed as, oh, this is the holy grail for skin, you know, skin health and whatever. And and it, it's just, it unfortunately is, as you said, Alana, an expensive market and one that unfortunately preys on the vulnerable, in my opinion. Um, and look, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't spend money on certain things, but I do think that it's important for us to be a little bit more critical in terms of what we decide to include in our health and well-being toolkit, shall we call it, um, and not just kind of blanketly listen to the latest influencer that's promoting the latest product that says it can cure your bloating. Basically, that's my frustration. Yeah, but I also <laughs> think it puts extra untold pressure on people like you that are doing good in the world because people do look to you and go, right, I'll just copy what you do because... You look oh, like you know what you're talking yeah. about, and I'll just I'll just do that, and then it puts pressure on you. And I think that you know, getting into this industry from us from an objective point of view, it's worse than the entertainment industry in terms of competitiveness, infighting, people disagreeing with each other. Like, I just think there's in terms of you know experts in this field that I'll say with um put that in quotations is everyone comes from a different perspective, so nutritionists being something different than dietitians and then gastros are obviously more clinical but everyone fights amongst each other anyway so even if you're an expert Mm. you're not necessarily all agreeing and that's why you have to cherry pick uh, and do your research about what's right for you because I just think that all the infighting that goes on confuses everyone else more and to be honest like I don't want to make this about me because it's really about you but I have really stopped completely sharing the food that I eat that used to be my bread and butter I used to every day post every meal and it was very much like a kind of you know how I built my platform now I you'd I'd be it'd be kind of rare if I shared even one meal just because I find that I don't like this idea of being able to just see what someone else is eating and automatically think oh that's what I should be doing you know it's you're so easily even subconsciously influenced by what you consume and I actually think food is probably the most personal thing in terms of what works for one person doesn't work for the next and I just find that I don't want to open up that door of questions and comparison and whatever it just it's just easier for me to absolutely completely bring any of that off my page and I found that it's really helped my almost mental health in a sense that I don't have that pressure to make the perfect plate or you know have the most balanced of meals like I eat crap and I also eat incredibly nutrient dense stuff but you know I I just feel that that's that's easier a easier journey for me to navigate without being judged on on any of that stuff do you know what I mean totally and you know we when um we did a tv show recently and people expect Alana and I to know I remember I was on the tube and when the show was out like you just forget that 10% of the UK population had seen the show at that time so I was on the tube eating strawberry sweets out of my pocket in case somebody saw me right and I'm just like why am I do- like why am I doing this I'm allowed to have a wee strawberry sweet if if I want one because the amount of people that come up to Alana and, I and go oh why are you having that you're into gut health or you're talking about that that's not on your show um and I think that as you say that is, yes, of course, a lot of the time we're eating gut-friendly because we know the benefits and that's great. But also, you know, we sort of boil food down to something that 
is so much more complex about, you know, even we look at, you know, blue zones and people that eat together um, live longer and, you know, all the sort of other relationship complexities that we have or good and bad that we have around food is really tricky. But yeah, I understand that, yeah, people and, you know, sometimes we do copy on Instagram because you're looking around for something to eat and you go, oh, like, but take it as inspiration rather as rather than for sure prescription. For sure. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Give Me Strength. And look, I think that's why I'm so interested in what you guys are doing with the gut stuff is because it's very much a pivot from um, telling people what to do. And it's more, let me give you loads of information and you make the decisions for yourself. It's a way more empowering initiative. And again, you've drawn upon a range of experts rather than positioning yourself as, you know, the expert. It's like, we have all of these people that we're, you know, taking different viewpoints from. So how was the gut stuff kind of born, I guess? And and what's your objective with it? And what do you guys kind of now want to want to do as your as your kind of manifesto, I guess? I guess it was originally just a passion project. We just became, you know, fascinated and overwhelmed by why does no one know this and how can we shout it from the rooftops? And I think for us as well, and, you know, that's a point on the experts point, we wanted to get all the experts together and not just clinicians, but people within industry. So all the big players in food and pharma and, you know, it was such a disparate category and still is in a way. And I think we're still trying to, you know, bring it together and and sort of, you know, galvanize everyone. And, and, and a really important point there. Is, is about teamwork you know if we're everyone's on the same mission um you know to empower gut health and everyone then it should it needs team we're not going to be able to do it alone we need to do it with other people and but the beauty of having all these different experts that we called upon was actually where are the gaps what where is the science now and how can we stick with it moving forward so what happened is quite literally that a passion project taking people out for pints and you know picking their brains and i need to say for pints and go by the end of this pint you need to have agreed on something so like there we go are. five pints later is like okay yeah. <laughs> a little fiver right we're there um and I think yeah that was originally what it was you know um and you know our sort of voices DJs was helping getting that word out there and then yeah it sort of snowballed into a very different beast today but I think the mission has and always will be to empower gut health and everyone and make it accessible and affordable for everyone um, and education will always stay at the heart of everything we do and yes the products and services that we've created off the back of that um, was because our audience and our community wanted and, and asked for that and trusted our voice to, to be able to do that um, and and you know moving forward we always say like we want gut health to be as habitual as, as brushing your teeth um, and it is a long-term game it's you know it's simple swaps over a long period of time and and long term so I think um, that is it like everyone knows what their gut is and we found even from you know the channel four series is that you know when we first pitched that show back in 2020 people were like you two are mad there's no way this is going to be a mass market offering it's a niche health format um, and then channel four giving us a bake-off slot in january was like wow this you know people are ready for it and before like three or four years ago we were like people need to know this now and share with it but actually it was serendipitous and it was the stars aligning and, and when it came out and and for us to have seen that wave of of education over the um over the years and, and also to be a part of it has been really fascinating to watch and how those sort of zeitgeists 
happen. I was just going to say, I think it's great that that was kind of, um, you know, projected into living rooms all over the country. We often, you know, can be guilty of existing in a bit of an echo chamber online, thinking that everyone knows about this stuff. Oh yeah, gut health. It's so, you know, it's so common knowledge, but actually we forget that a huge portion of the population just don't. And actually, um, if you step outside of that echo chamber, you sort of chat to, you know, I, 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 I'm a chatter, as I'm sure you guys are as well. So I'll talk to people in the coffee shop or I'll talk to people on the tube or whatever. And I get onto conversations about, oh, what do you do for work? I'm a fitness professional. Oh, you know, and 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 you, you realize that people just don't have as much knowledge as you think they do because you just step outside of that world where sort of everyone, you know, has heard of the term gut health. So I think it's brilliant what you guys are doing. And I think the show is excellent for that is it just kind of takes it into that more accessible format where people that have probably never heard of the term gut health are just starting starting to have it on their radar. And I think that's how we really get about really kind of extending the message and making it, as you said, that that crucial word accessible um, is by education, empowerment, learning, sharing. You know, there's no way that uh, a kind of probiotic that sits on the top shelf in your local health store is going to make a difference if people don't even know, you know, it's there. Probiotic was a bad example because we just talked about them being expensive, but you know what I mean? You know, picking up an extra vegetable in their food shop because they think that it's going to, you know, add some more fiber to their diet, whatever it is. I think, you know, it's really great what you guys are doing. Um, and I guess, you know, the gut stuff is, is in itself just a really empowering platform and helps people to really to kind of, I guess, get from it what they want rather than kind of just telling people what to do. Yeah, to- totally. And I think that yeah, you have to actively take yourself out of the echo chamber as well. Like we have to sort of, we always say in all of our meetings, whether it's MPD or anything, you know, would Barry and his top floor flat in Bolton get this or understand this? And what we actually do is bring our mum into board meetings and give her a gin and be like, are, you know, do you understand this? Would you buy this? Um, and I think that you have to keep having those touch points because, as you know, you know, you're going for investment rounds, you're trying to sell like a big picture to people that sort of know what they're talking about or are investing in a big idea. And you can very, very quickly lose sight of why you start firstly why you started um you know that kind of profit versus purpose thing that is a really really tricky balance to get um and lastly like who's your customer who you know what you know if we wanted an easy life we would have made a super expensive high margin product um that was sold in a health food store because that would have been easy but for us it was just constantly about dragging it back to why we started and as you say and the mission that people assume that and I'm sure it's the same with you that we're just the faces of the brand and everyone else is running the business and you're like no no we're doing the P&L and cleaning up the Dropbox and going for the investment round and you know doing and I think that that's a really important message for other people coming into this industry as well is that you know yes all the stuff that people see like filming the TV show and doing that is about maybe and you you know all the content amazing content that you film as well is maybe three percent of what you do max Mm, mm, (laughs) and everything else is you know behind the laptop actually building a business and being answerable to lots of other people and that's and I think it's important to get that over is that there's so many cogs what is seen as a front-facing machine. Mm, I think as well I think just sort of touching back is that we had to make this information fun and accessible because we always say like at the gut stuff we're not competing against other people in the health and wellness world we're competing against you know Ariana Grande and Nike and you know 
you know that pop culture for people's attention so we have to make it fun and we have to make it entertaining and we have to make it accessible and not preachy and and that was something that you know we were super super passionate about you know like taking what the experts were saying and then making it so that people understood and that was one of the first things our mum said to us like oh you're being too preachy people are just going to switch off and we were like right taking that taking that on the chin mum thank you and you know and it's still weaved into everything that we do even after you know seven years really interesting and yeah you're absolutely right you do make it fun I remember seeing your um TFL campaign you know on the like buses and stuff and I just remember seeing the pink and being like yes girls love it like you know it does it, it grabs the eye but then I'm also like super interested do you know what I mean it's perfect it was very good branding I think it's going to go in our graves the ones that <laughs> the ones that was on bus stops like, that's be my legacy. <laughs> yeah literally it was excellent one of the things I'm most interested in with gut health and like I don't know how much you guys want to delve into this or not but I'm fascinated by the connection and and the emerging research about what we know between our gut microbiome and our mental health. Um, I am fascinated by it. I listen to a shitload of stuff on it because it's just like one of those areas where I think, you know, the the disconnect between our mental and our physical health has been so vast and so huge for so long that now they're starting to see them come together and be very much one of the same thing that, you know, disease in the body is, you know, whether it be mental or physical is, is disease in the body, regardless of, you know, whether it's in the brain or in the, you know, whatever else um, is going on. So I'm really interested by that. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how you guys explore that subject, what we know so far, and um, what you guys are doing at the gut stuff to kind of, I guess, talk more about it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the one, again, we're the same that fascinated us the most when we got into it. I think, the reason that people resonate with it initially is because, you know, we've always known there's a link there. You see the person you fancy and you get butterflies in your stomach or you've got to do public speaking. And you're like, oh, my God, I need to do a poo. Um, so you, we've sort of thought that it was a one way street um, historically. But now what we're realizing is actually so the gut and brain are connected physically through something called the vagus nerve. Unfortunately, nothing to do with Las Vegas. Um but what we what we've historically thought was that was a one way system. So um, what was going on in our brain affected our gut exactly the examples I've just mentioned. But actually, what we're now realizing is more pathways travel from our gut to our brain than the other way. So the motorway goes two ways, and there's more lanes going up than there is down. So there's definitely a physical connection there, albeit complex, but that's there. And also they're connected chemically um, as well through neurotransmitters and all sorts of things. So they're constantly speaking to each other. We like to think of the vagus nerve as the phone line and the chemical connections as uh, WhatsApp. <laughs> um, that's how like in my head, how we how I kind of, um, yeah, separate it out. Um, but I guess how does that kind of relay into practice? And I think that there's all sorts of studies coming out around you know how yoga um can be equal benef equally beneficial for things like ibs and breath work than you know dietary changes so yeah in research there's loads of research coming out about how we can actually put these findings into practice but i think as we talked about before with the danger when industry and commerce gets involved um is that we present it as a solution so if you can help your if you can you know cure again for e-commerce your gut health all your mental health problems will be solved and actually you know a bit of sauerkraut is going to cure your depression and things like that and I just think that is where it starts to get dangerous but if we look at looking after our gut health 
as a toolbox in our armory through diet, nutrition, stress management, all the stuff that we've talked about. Again, um, we start to frame it as something that's quite empowering and it could help a lot of people put the pieces together. Because I think from a well-being perspective, yes, it's great to know, um, you know, that yoga could, you know, f- help our microbes as well as our physical health, as well as our mental health, because it's meditative, you know, like all of these things can be a solution for a lot of different problems. Um, But also that, you know, if people do have a digestive issue, that that then causes anxiety. Could the anxiety then be causing the digestive issue and how that cycle starts to perpetuate? And I think it starts to make it a bit clearer for people how they can potentially break that cycle um, Mm. if they know that there's a connection between those two things. So it's still very early doors. We actually went... um, when we were writing our book, uh, there's an amazing scientist called John Crine and a guy called Ted Dunn, and we went to Cork University, uh, and they're doing all sorts of incredible studies there on the gut-brain axis. Um, so there's so much to come out about it, but I think we have to be careful in presenting it as a solution, gut health as a solution for mental health. Absolutely. And, and you know, a little bit as you described, it can be a bit chicken and egg, you know, which mm-hmm. one came first kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's really exciting. I, I sort of feel like there should be a very big kind of watch this space in terms of what we're going to learn in that area. But you're absolutely 100% on the money when you say, you know, don't, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous, murky world when we start to provide, again, going back to this, simple solutions to much more complex, you know, problems. And, you know, if someone is trying to do that, then unfortunately, it's it's it should be taken with with caution. Yeah. Um, now, look, our conversation today has spanned so many interesting areas. And um, I guess one of the overarching themes I feel is that we're some of what we do consistently not what we do once in a while and I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned when it comes to my gut health you know no I don't remember to eat a prebiotic every day but every once in a while you know most days a week I'll have something that consists of that and you know I think it's one way that we can just without putting too much pressure on ourselves be able to foster a healthy gut without obsessing over it but I would love to let my audience those that are listening um into um you know where we can find you guys how we can learn more um and where we can support the gut stuff yeah so um on socials it's just at the gut stuff super simple the gutstuff.com the website is a breadth of knowledge from you know amazing experts we've got our books um so there's two there's the sort of first with the science that we did with all the top experts in, in gut health and then we've got a cookbook um and and then the Channel 4 series is just called Know Your Shit. Um, and you can still get that on all four. It's nice to be able to say it, actually. Usually when we were doing press and promo for it, they were like, you can't say the word shit. And I'm like, what's well, the title of the show, guys? We, go- <laughs> 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 we just kept having to go, shh. Again, Lisa and I are just going bold with everything that we do. Like, ah, I'll be all right. It'll get, it'll get noticed. It's fine. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And unfortunately, I think that we live in a world where you have to be a bit grabby to, to get people's attention because we're just so consumed with other stuff. So, yeah. you know, it caught my eye anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much. My first time ever having two guests on the pod. Loved it. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I was about to say, we've, just, we've found our standing. So it's great. You're now officially... <laughs> If one of us is off, in fact, now that I'm going off to have the baby, you're in. You've got a double job. <laughs> I love it. Girls, thank you so thank much. You. Good luck with everything. And thank you for coming on. Really appreciate thank it. You. Thank Hope you. Hope to see you at IRL soon. Thank 
you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love it if you could take some time to rate, review and follow the podcast as it really helps others to find it. We have a new episode dropping every week so it'll ensure that you don't miss out. And one really exciting new feature is that I would love to solve your problems. Our podcast is centered around giving people strength and resilience. And so if you have a question, a problem or anything else, you can send a message or a voice note to GMS at insanityhq.com. That's GMS at insanityhq.com. And me and my guest will spend a little bit of time at the end of every podcast answering your questions. See you next time.